640 Toronto presents Think Tank. Two guests, Toronto's top stories. Now, let's meet the guests. Let's do just that. 7.36 on a chilly Monday morning, the 20th of November. It's American Thanksgiving weekend as well. It's a short week for our friends listening over the border. But we're Canadian. We'll grind it out for these five days. Fine. Oh, I'm reminded we had our holiday uh, in early October. So fine. Uh, We welcome on Dave Kaufman. He's a radio broadcaster located in Montreal. We're happy to have you on. You were um, you were very special to us because you uh, you stepped in when a lot of us were either away on Thanksgiving weekend. You did a phenomenal job on uh, on 640 Toronto on Sunday, October the 8th. So it's great to have you on this morning. Greg, thank you. I guess that means I can take Thursday off and watch football. Yes, that's it. And take Perfect. me with you, please. I've been back. All right, you're on. You're thank on. Thank you. And uh, I know our next guest is a big football fan of the other variety. Um, and so, and someday we'll break bread, have a drink, and talk about it. Mohammed El Rashidi, human rights lawyer, uh, he was on last week. I'm told a little birdie told me um, that you named uh, one of your offspring after a famous footballer. Who is that? That's correct. I, uh, good morning, everybody. I named him after uh, Zinedine Zidane. France, Zizou. Oh, Muhammad! You know, I wanted to. I wanted this to be uh, like the guy that headbutted the Italian player, like red <laughs> card and bad, bad behavior in 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 a circumstance. Oh, he's, he's so much more than that. Uh, yes, he's he so is. Oh, believe me. So yeah, as somebody that works in live radio, I don't want to be judged on my worst moments, Muhammad. You can imagine, mm. I feel that strongly about it. Um, no, no, Zinedine. <laughs> Muhammad, Zidane. the good news on that Muhammad the good news on that is that when your kid wants to apply to go to McGill because he's got that French name he won't have to pay the double fees uh, that's not so much <laughs> yeah he's a lawyer so he can make that happen uh, that, that that would end up working um I hate that I hate that new law um let's just yeah, talk, let, let's talk so we got a lot of heavy stuff we want to get into but I'm going to ask about just what this has been like the last six weeks Dave I'll start with you it, it, it's draining I had a conversation with a politician last week who said um, I wish I could say more about how I feel about the conflict. And I looked at him dead and square in the eye and I said, I wish I could say less. So let's trade jobs for 24 hours. But we're all talking about these issues. Um, how have you excused yourself from this conflict? Because I get drawn in. I sit there and all of a sudden I've watched three hours of coverage. I've read seven articles. And then I realize what's wrong with me. I need to breathe this out a little bit. How do you do it, Dave? Yeah, I stepped back as well. I I really consciously stepped back. I, I went up north with my best friends this weekend, and we did not talk about it. I had my birthday dinner a couple of weeks ago and looked over to my sister at the end of the dinner and went, wow, we just went three hours without talking about Israel and Palestine. How impressive is this? Uh, it's important to step back. It's important to have those football Sundays. And and I mean, frankly, I guess that's that's my extreme privilege living in Canada, but it's mm-hmm. It's maddening. It's 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 so frustrating. And yeah, you can watch three hours of TV and you can read seven articles and you will feel no further ahead than you were before, because depending on who's writing the articles and who's producing the the TV that you're watching, you might hear the exact opposite thing that mm. somebody else is watching. So you mm. have to think critically. You have to to take everything with a grain of salt. I mean, just just look at the coverage surrounding the Al Shifa Hospital, and really depending on who you're listening to is either that this was a one of the great crimes of civilization or a complete fabrication. And I'm willing to bet that it's somewhere in between the two. 
Yeah, there's, there's always my side, your side, and and the truth, which is usually in the and middle. And that's so important right now. I, I just I I wish that we could all do a better job of that mm. because right now everything is so absolute, and we're never going to get anywhere. Muhammad, where are you? Where do you stand with sort of stepping away? You're very passionate about the issue, as you proved last Monday. Where are you in stepping away and finding your own mental health time before we start talking about it again? <laughs> well. Uh, you know, Sunday football is always a great escape for me. The problem is that I'm a Bills fan. So the suffering <laughs> only continues on Sundays. Uh, it's very rarely a relief from a rough week when you're a Bills fan. But, uh, you know, on, on the serious note and, and taking time away, it's been very difficult. As Dave eloquently put it, we're very privileged here. And I think um, given how horrific some of the things coming out of uh, the situation over there, it, it makes it uh, you make you feel guilty at the same time, right? I, I think there's that element of guilt of being able to just shut off this type, this level of suffering and go on with uh, whatever activity you choose mm. to do. I, I, you know, I tr I try to obviously pay attention when I'm uh, you know around my son and, and things like that. We play. I think that gives me uh, some time away. But as you guys put it. There's so much to catch up on because the events are, are so swift and numerous and it's nonstop yeah. uh, that if, if you want to stay engaged and stay on top of things, you, you have to keep following. But as they've said, yeah. you, you don't feel ahead at the end of it. I think that's also the, the strange part. I bet if you took several days off and come back. Uh, nothing really changes, and and that's that's even worse, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're I, playing Mad Libs right now I, I, in so many ways. <laughs> um, Mohammed, I'll address this. You took some criticism for things you said last week here on iShow. I, I took some. Um, Warren Kinsella was another panelist. He took some. Uh, and I always feel like when I get hammered, it's it's either fair and deserved or, or it's unfair and you need to focus on your job because not everyone is supposed to like you or going to like what you say or it's somewhere between the two. How do you self-assess what happened on the air last week? Was I fair with you? Were you, did you do anything that you wish you hadn't said or where do you, where do you view it? Oh, for sure. I don't think as somebody who, you know, someone who's in the courtroom and, and, and has to speak for a living in, in contentious uh, situations if you don't self-assess constantly uh, you're doomed right you always have to self-assess because you always have to improve that's always the mindset and I certainly feel that way about Monday it was a very different experience for me uh, I'm going to start off by saying I need to call you Greg by your name uh, I sincerely apologize for making that mistake over and over and over that that was a glaring I've been called worse and often during think tank <laughs> So, okay, well, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Think Tank. Yeah, so, that's uh, that's the last thing I want on my business card, but I appreciate you saying that. So, um, so I think that that's definitely uh, something mm -hmm. I need to work on, uh, Greg. Uh, hopefully I don't get lost in the conversation well, today and refer to you as Robert again. I think it won't uh, happen. I think it won't happen. Well, well, let's get I want to get to it because I, I appreciate both you guys making the time. One of the bones of contention of the interview uh, was the discussion about the imam in Montreal. Um, and right now, what's new since last Monday is the RCMP has security specialists that are investigating him. He was at a rally last month. He led a public prayer. And this is a CP report calling for the extermination of, quote, Zionist aggressors. And I know I know you made the distinction between Zionists and Jews, but many Jews are Zionists and the word is thrown around quite provocatively. And Dave, I know. Let me start with you, Dave and Muhammad. I'll give you plenty of time. Dave, you wanted to bring that up because you listened to our segment last week. 
I did listen to your segment last week. And, and first of all, Muhammad, I, I want to congratulate you for, for really being pretty damn cool under pressure. Um, there was nothing that you said in there that I thought elicited the reactions that you received. Now, that being said, I thought that the, the, I, I don't want to say that you excused the imam, but but you imply you made very clear the delineation between saying that that he was saying that Zionists should be exterminated from Israel and that Jews should be killed. And Warren kept going back to that he was saying that Jews should be killed. And you're like, no, this is very clear. Now, the Judaism that I grew up in in North America, in Montreal, I'm an Anglophone Jew. I am not religious, but it is part of my culture. I have joked with friends that Larry David or Mel Brooks is more like my Menachem Schneerson. <laughs> now. That being said, I grew up not ever learning a difference between Judaism and Zionism. They were always part parcel. I disagree with that now that I've learned to think critically, but my goodness, when you see a pro-Israel rally here, I would be willing to bet you that 105 out of every 100 people there are Zionists. Now, when you, how, how do you think Canadian Zionists feel when they hear that that? Jewish Zionists in Israel should be exterminated. Don't you think that that perhaps brings a fear and an insecurity and ups that rhetoric to a level that that how do we how do we climb back down from that, Mohammed? Yeah, so thank you for that, Dave. I really appreciate uh, your take on it and and the way you you're approaching it. Um, I think a couple of things in regards to uh, what this gentleman uh, in Montreal said. Um, the The issue is in relation to um, um, the extermination uh, word. First of all, he was right. uh, it was a supplication. In other words, he's addressing God. He, he's not telling people to uh, to do anything. He's he's making what you what we would all refer to as a prayer or a wish. Uh, and and I think I'm coming at this from is this hate speech or not? I, I wasn't come and and that's part of the problem is maybe an officer of the court. I sometimes deal with things from a, you know, how do you look at this from a legal standpoint? I, I wasn't talking about a personal opinion. And I think there's a distinction there. And maybe I struggle with that because, you know, my opinion usually has to be set aside in a professional setting. Uh, so from a from a hate speech perspective, it doesn't rise to hate speech. Yeah, we don't need to get into that now, but it doesn't. Yeah, rise that's not to my concern. Speech. That for me, it's not about that. It's about trying to find common ground in this really difficult situation. Whether it's a prayer, or like uh, I want thee to smite my enemies, is is yeah. I don't feel any better about that. I have to tell you, that so, doesn't give me any great comfort. Yeah, you're right. So let me let, let me just address something because the word that gets dropped out of this from my view is aggressors, right? He When he said aggressors, uh, he obviously did not say Jews, but when he said aggressors, I think that is a qualifying statement that definitively removes a threat to anyone who does not wish the people of Gaza harm. And I think it's very important not to personalize things and take them out of context. So when somebody is, is putting words like aggressors in there, if I'm not an aggressor, why why would that be uh, offensive to me? Let me, but, but let me jump okay, in and these, ask, Mohammed. let me ask. There are many people supporting aggression against Hamas right now. Many people supporting aggression. There are many Muslims supporting aggression against Hamas because they think that could free 
the Gazan people to a better life. Like, I, I, I know where you're going here, and I understand it. To me, I've seen maybe too many mob movies. I think the imam kind of went, hey, nice house, shame if something happened to it. Like, you can pray upstairs to, uh, to, to the God that you pray to, but you're almost implying, hey, wouldn't it be great if this transpired here? This, isn't, this is a little like the Salman Rushdie satanic versus thing that the Ayatollah um, putting, putting out the fatwa on Salman Rushdie. He's not going to do it himself, but he's saying, wouldn't be upset if someone did. And let's be no, clear he, that, that he, within a couple of days, he, Muhammad, of those comments, uh, there were bullets fired overnight at at children's schools in Montreal, which which again really messes with the psyche of the of the North American Jew and brings pla- things to a place that um, that brings up a lot of trauma that that is intergenerational. And again, I know that's not your problem, but it's something that we deal no. with. No, 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 no. It, it, I, I'm not. I don't want to be insensitive to that. I think uh, hate crimes and and standing up for the voiceless or the weak, uh, or a combination thereof, has been the calling of my life. That's not something I will ever stop. But I, I want to address this point that David brings up, Greg. I, I don't think anybody uh, who's fair-minded can look at what's happening in Gaza, as we've said before, and characterize it as an attack on Hamas. Full stop. Uh, it's not an attack on Hamas. I agree with you there, Mahal. Not yeah, universally, that but that's being painted as the goal, and that is the ultimate I, goal. That's the goal I want to see with the minimal yeah. amount of casualties surrounding it. I know that's impossible. Sure, Greg, but but well, and you've just lost you've lost it there because the minimal amount of casualties we knew that, and and I remember being on air with Alex Pearson on on the seventh or eighth or whatever it was of October. And saying that Israel has a lot of goodwill right now. And if they follow the playbook of 9-11, then they're going to lose that goodwill very quickly. And, and here we are the 20th of November. We're less than fewer than six weeks past that. And the goodwill is gone. The goodwill yeah, is completely it, gone. But let me let me counter that, Dave, and say there's a ton more protests in the streets than there were um, during 9-11. And I think we know what the common. And by the way, there's a lot more protests in the street than in almost any other thing that could even walk up. Uh, to an ethnic cleansing in in Europe, in the Balkans war, in other Arab countries, and I think we know. And as Mohammed pointed out last week on on your yeah. show, um, very eloquently, there are there are more children have passed have had not passed away. That's that's passive. Have been murdered in this uh, conflict than in every other global conflict combined in the last three years. People are out in the streets because they're upset because they're passionate about this. I um. You know, you talked about Montreal and why is Montreal such a hotbed? I think one of the big reasons is because we have a huge student population here. So people mm-hmm. that that leads to a more active and passionate population. We saw it with the student protests here. And no, we didn't see it after 9-11, Greg. But I was a student at Western in London, Ontario, when the Iraq war was starting. Me too. And I remember hundreds of thousands of people in the streets in, in for the Iraq war all over North America. It wasn't covered. You had to turn on Al Jazeera to see it. But it was there. Yeah. So, I, so I, go ahead, Mom. Greg. Let me let me let me let me go back to because Dave makes a very important point about um, the way the Jewish community feels when they hear anything negative. I'm not going to address anything negative that is said to against quote unquote Jews or Jewish people. That speaks for itself. We don't need to to walk that back. Uh, that is always going to be uh, crossing a line, certainly in, f- for myself. It's a, it's, a, it's a religious group. It's an ethnic group. Those are not things that people should be saying whatsoever. But I want to talk about the, the Zionism aspect, because mm-hmm. for the Jewish community, I, I agree with Dave that in Canada in particular, there's a, a very 
large percentage who identify and as both and see it as interchangeably the same identity. How do we address the conflict with any level of passion, condemning what has to be condemned and what is being carried out by the country, in this case, that is Israel, without causing this type of fear to the Jewish community, if focusing on Zionism rather than Judaism or, or Jews is being done? Like, how, how do you navigate that, right? And, and that, that's, the, that's one of the questions that perhaps we can uh, try and answer over the coming uh, days and weeks to see where there can be this uh, constructive discourse in relation to condemning what Israel is doing without making the Jewish community feel a certain way. Dave, do you want to handle that? I mean, <laughs> I wish I could. I, I genuinely, I, I keep thinking back to a, a Canada that perhaps doesn't exist anymore, where uh, French and English or Catholic and Protestant or Jew and Arab coexisted harmoniously. And now we see these divisions here. And it makes me wonder what kind of a model we are when we're telling them to that they can live harmoniously over there. So I, I don't I don't have an answer to you to you, Mohammed. I, I don't know how to convince someone who is a child of Holocaust survivors or or a child of of. Uh, someone who was a part of a mass migration because of pogroms a hundred years ago, where every Friday night dinner it's drummed into them that that um, that October seventh is right around the corner, and I guess that's part of what my issue is here is that in a lot of ways it's very difficult to have a debate about human rights violations and and a what should be a free Palestine where people can have the same opportunities on without a wall. I was going to say on both sides of the wall, but without a wall when October 7th happened. And I have trouble, and I think a lot of people still have trouble with that being the starting point of, of peace negotiations, of a new and happier world, because what happened on the 7th of October was so traumatic and so reminiscent of, of so many things that, that, yeah. that my community has been terrified about forever. Like, like again, generationally. And that, that is not to take away from the pain that, that Arabs and Muslims feel and, and the Palestinians feel from, from their Nakba. But my goodness, there needs to be some room for what happened on the 7th of October. And then with the same, same breath, guys, that does not excuse one bomb hitting one innocent person in Palestine, in Gaza. But it, but, it, so, but it does explain it. You won't be able to make, you won't be able to root out Hamas. Israel would love to yeah, meet them. Yeah, but my Dave, fear, it, it, but Greg, it, my fear is Hamas 2.0. And and I, I don't see how yeah, this doesn't exactly. bring Hamas 2.0. And, and, exactly. and maybe some people say that's worth it. It's fine. We want our pound of flesh. To me, Hamas 2.0 is, is, there was the Taliban and then there's ISIS. And yeah, we are just you know, fulfilling the cycle it, of violence. Dave, you absolutely. Greg, realize something. You know when Hamas started? 1987. That's the first intifada. You know when Hezbollah in Lebanon started? That's 1982 when Israel launched the invasion of Lebanon. Right, that's it's the effect. Connected is directly connected to the uh, sort of the level of atrocities or killings that are taking place. Whenever it really, really heats up, it spawns uh, a new uh, movement in response. So, can you imagine what's going to come out of this? Can you imagine you're but, saying more people terrifying. you're saying more people will be radicalized almost similar to, to the u.s going into iraq they topple saddam hussein and then they realize they've got a, an entirely different struggle from that's that point been my on fear from from the first step of this that's been my fear it's always that, been, that this only makes been, things worse 
Yeah, and and I mean the playbook on this. I mean General Petraeus for the U.S. does a, you know is is one viewed as one of the Western experts on on fighting uh, insurgencies, and and he makes it very clear that the key is to not create more fighters. Uh, in the course of defeating the existing ones. And the way to do that is to minimize civilian uh, casualties. And lo and behold, we have uh, the exact opposite right now in Gaza. But but to be constructive, I really want to get back to the distinction between sort of a political movement or political ideology like Zionism and Judaism. And I really don't know how to navigate this uh, level of sensitivity in the Jewish community. And, uh, and I say that because I really care. I got gotcha. you. I think and I think it's important. And how, how do we not cross that? I know the Masada mentality and I get what you're saying about the generational trauma and and all of that. Absolutely. And and it has, to a large extent, if we're dealing with the conversation in good faith, just like Dave and I are right now, I think we have to also see that a lot of times the dialogue and the discourse is completely shut down regarding Israel by weaponizing a lot of these uh, fears and trauma. Sure it is, sure it is. But, and then but, people so, aren't allowed so, to speak out. People aren't allowed to say what they really feel because they're afraid of reprisals. But, they're afraid we're seeing people getting, we saw a doctor in Ottawa get fired over the weekend. I mean- we are living in a very strange time right now. Let me play you guys speech and yeah, go ahead. Let me Sorry, play guys. you guys this clip uh, 20 seconds from the streets of Toronto. This is a younger person on the microphone. I want you to hear this and I want to talk about how any of us are supposed to react to this who live in the city. Here it is. Okay, this to me, intifada to me, and and we could di discuss different definitions of it, Muhammad. To me, it's a call to violence. To me, it's no different than from the river to the sea, where there's different interpretations. But guess what? When someone says, "Hey, that chant, that song you chant, that makes me worry that you want my people to be destroyed, my people to be eradicated," and if they told me that, I'd say. Oh, I won't do that anymore then. But I don't see that with From the River to the Sea. And I don't see that with chants like this. I just worry that's that's in Toronto. And the goal is to make everybody uncomfortable with something like that. Okay, so Greg, so a few things. Intifada means uprising. Let's just not let words be scary. It just, it just means uprising. I, I don't think that a people who are uh, under occupation for uh, that many decades and are clearly this oppressed, and, and, and the evidence is, is overwhelming to support what I'm saying, uh, don't have a right to an uprising. Uh, I, I think you want to be careful with stretching that and adding in so much of, of our own views and fears and presumptions. Where someone takes an uprising is is going to be up to them. And and by the way, those are just words. So we can't really fill in the gaps with uh, with uh, catastrophizing what is going to happen in the future just because someone says those words. So I don't think there's anything illegitimate about somebody saying there should be an uprising about an oppressive uh, situation. But where is the uprising? Is it in Toronto? Is it in our streets? Is it in Montreal? Oh, wait, wait, wait. Is that really... 
Seriously, is that what people? You, are you don't. About? You don't it's think. Not any, I'm not. I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it like that either. You Greg. don't think I, anybody worries about that in London or okay, in Dave, Paris well, listen, right now? I'm, I'm asking. I'm really glad about a, I'm really glad you about a 20 year old girl calling for an uprising. I mean, I mean, I don't know how old she is, but about a young person calling for an uprising, saying that like, yeah, I don't see that. I don't see that any different than the protests for uh, for land back for Wet'suwet'en that we saw a few years ago in Canada right before. COVID. So, so I don't Greg, see this as anybody. Yeah. Somebody, somebody who's oppressed and and somebody who is who is fighting for their land, and I don't, I don't know if that's so different than what you heard um, post Holocaust Israeli Jews fighting for the state of Israel yell in 1948. Yeah. I just I don't know, but to me that's not that is like you said, Muhammad. Those are words. It's when someone takes a gun and shoots at an elementary school that it becomes yeah. a different. We're not finding we a link, to be guys. To... We're not finding a link that some of these words are leading to some of these actions and some of the intimidation and some of the graffiti. Look, we've, done, we've done a half an hour on, on this show this morning, and we haven't talked about the guy attacking people at a mosque in Toronto with a rock yesterday. I'm Which sure is horrific. Already, but that's, I have two or right, three times on the show. Absolutely. But it, exactly. And I'm sure you have. But but to me, that that is part and parcel. It's the same thing. So it's, I agree. It's, and 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 it is. You have to be able to have a conversation now. Now, someone yelling, screaming, uprising. I guess we have to understand where it's coming from. But but again, a a there are political uprisings. She could be looking for it. I I don't know. But and and without interviewing her, I guess we don't have the context. But to me, when we when we focus on things like that, we're losing sight of the bigger picture. I'm going to tell and, you, and it intimidates people. That's my in- big concern. It does. It, it 100 and it intimidates people in Montreal as well. Yeah. But there's plenty of intimidation uh, on all sides. These posters are extremely intimidating to people and have created massive divisions in our society. Yeah. And what it's done is it's allowed us to focus uh, on here instead of focusing on there. I hate I to tell. I hate to tell you both this, but I'm right out of time, so we'll do less chat about the Zinedine Zidane, the Buffalo. But I, I wanted that. I, I wanted that at the start, <laughs> guys. I gotta uh, leave it important. there, and it's a lot of work for both of you. So I appreciate you laying it all out there for us this morning. I, I learned a lot, and I was entertained and informed as well. Thank you for this. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Greg. Thanks, Mohammed. Thanks, Dave.